Welcome to the Spirit Restored Podcast. This is where the curiosities of spiritualism meet the belief systems of members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. This podcast is only for those with an open mind. Join Ken Adams on his quest to find higher planes of spiritual experience. Welcome to the Spirit Restored Podcast today. This is Ken Adams, and I am here today with Justin Kopit. And Justin today has some wonderful stories to tell us, some great insights about himself. He is a listener of the Spirit Restored Podcast. And uh, what's exciting as well today is that we are moving into video format. So we've just started video recording here too. So if you're watching video, this is where you're going to pick up. And I'll summarize what Justin just said. He uh, grew up Catholic. He grew up going to church. He felt like he was forced to be at church from a young age because, you know, his parents brought him to church and it wasn't super meaningful to him at the time. And he didn't really think much of spirituality up until he was in wrestling. And in wrestling, he had this great coach that, and you say his name again, what's his name again? His name is John Peterson. John Peterson, who ended up winning gold at the Olympics. And his main factor of success was the Bible. Yeah. And, and leaning into Christianity and spirituality there. Right. And so from there, what, what started changing for you? What was different for you? Um, yeah. So I'd say what started changing was, you know, me personally is I desire to have the end result that I, I personally want. So it was like, okay, you know, I see what this guy did as absolutely fascinating, um, very similar to kind of like my journey currently. So, um, it was like, all right, what changes he's studying the scriptures i must do the same so every wednesdays you know for a year and about a half we we would meet and we would go over all these scriptures we would take great notes um and then i would go off and start to really study it on my own which then i would say brought me back to you know studying the church itself where you know maybe i got caught up into um i think you said it on your podcast before is the processes and systems that say are in the church rather than you know god himself like what's more important um is it the systems and practices in place or is it god himself um and that's kind of where you know i ended up taking it upon myself to go off and really just dive in internally i'd say to figure out you know what is going to help me best in terms of how assisting me to get the end goal, um, which, which I desire. So, so what, what was the end goal? What were you wanting to use spirituality or religion to attain? What was the end goal? Yeah. So, um, in college would have been, you know, obviously a national title, but I soon progressed that, you know, maybe college is not exactly for me. So I am still competing, um, and kind of that next step would be chasing down, you know, maybe a world team spot or a medal, um, something along those lines is kind of the end goal in terms of the sport. But as I progressed, it really opened up many realms, such as, you know, I believe having it all is a, is a real good thing, which would be, you know, relationships with my friends, you and I, um, my family, you know, health, having great, absolute health, you know, having money to be able to go where I want, when I want. 
and think along those lines is what I believe it's kind of really opened up to me and really given me that faith to know that I can achieve what I want. So awesome. Awesome. So, um, so you're still wrestling. Yes. Yep. Okay. And, and you're in a university right now wrestling. Is that right? Um, so it's at the, the university of Minnesota is where I compete, but it's not with the university itself. It's just kind of this next level, which they call a senior level, um, type of group. And here in Minnesota, again, I'm blessed to have a group of awesome guys. You know, we have about 10 to 15 of them that still come in and train, you know, cause they are also going for that, that gold medal, that world medal, et cetera. So it's awesome to be around those types of people. Interesting. So you, you have your sights set on gold medals. That's great. And, yeah. and getting there and you're using, you, you're wanting spirituality to help you get results like that, right? You said not only in wrestling, but in family life and relationships and all those kind of things. So, um, some people might ask like, why, why would you use spirituality to help you be a better wrestler? Right. How, how would you answer that? Yeah, I would just say it's, you know, simply having faith in the unknown. Um, just knowing that, you know, as I continue to show up, it's um it's building these relationships with those guys that are also there. And then, you know, also being able to help them get to where they want to be, um, is what I find very cool, very inspiring. Cause, you know, as time goes on, you know, there may be somebody that is going to help me get to where I want to be. And, and if I can help somebody else get to where they want to be, um, I believe it'll come around in full circle. Cool. Cool. So it's, it's kind of like a, uh, in a spiritual as aspect, it's just helping everybody improve around you, right? Making the world a better place is kind of what it, it sounds like. And yeah. um, if I were to ask you to sum up, so one thing about this podcast is I love to, explore this idea of what spiritual results are. Yeah. Because in spirituality, I mean, it already, the word says that it's not physical, right? It's not physical reality. It's spiritual reality. Mm -hmm. And in order to say that spirituality works, it's like, well, you want to be able to measure it somehow. How do you measure something that's not physical, right? It's like, how do you mm -hmm. measure something that probably crosses into the mental emotional sphere, right? And uh, I would say that if you read the Bible, you know, you will see that it can cross into the physical because mm -hmm. Jesus says that we can move mountains if we have the faith of the grain of a mustard seed, right? Right. For you, how do you measure or understand what spiritual results are using spirituality? Yeah, for me, I would say it's it's about congruency. It's about alignment. It's about... Um, I would say that connection with the source, with God, with the Father. Um, and it's almost as if, you know, how I want to explain this would be kind of like, you know, you plug in a light or something and um, it's got strong, it has a strong connection. Um, it's something that you feel internally. It's just very strong. It feels very right. It feels like, ah, kind of a moment, like you're, you're at peak um, in terms of an emotional, good, positive feeling is how I, how I measure it. And when that say is not there, that means to me, I'm maybe out of alignment and I have to correct something internally to get 
back to that strong connection. Yeah. So that, that connection, that feeling, that state of strong alignment, right? How do you know that's a spiritual result and not just an emotional, mental result? Yeah. Um, personally, it's just off of the faith that I've created. That is a really good question. Is it uh, just personal? Is it connected? I personally believe that it's connected to the source. Who is it to say that it's not? Um, you know, that is a really good question. What are your, you know, kind of thoughts on on that? Yeah, it's been a question that I've had for a while, right? Is um, how do I know if I'm experiencing something spiritual or if I'm experiencing something emotional or mental? Because um, a lot of what you're talking about, like my own upbringing, it's, it's like, if you want to know something is true, right? Like divinely true. Yeah. Mm. You pray and then the spirit speaks to your heart through feelings um, and whatever feelings you're feeling. And a lot of times we're in church and people are like saying, Oh, I could feel the spirit. I bet you felt the spirit too. And it could have been during like a musical number where someone's playing an emotionally stirring musical number. Right. And it's like, well, was yeah. it the spirit or was it just like good emotionally? You know what I mean? And I think that spirituality, at least to me is, um, even deeper than the mental emotional sphere mm -hmm. because spirituality in my own upbringing, the way I understand is that we had a life before this that's mm -hmm. in my, my own religion teaches this, right. Is we had a life before this and I'm thinking, well, if we had a life before this, then it probably was basically an e eternity of life, like just so, so long that we probably got to a point where we're like, okay, well, what if we want a spiritual existence? What if like a physical existence? We've mastered the spiritual essentially, right? Yeah. It's like, <laughs> which is a really cool way to think, right? It's like, could we have gotten to the point where we learned everything and experienced everything that we wanted to experience as spiritual beings and then have everything essentially be reset for the physical and then experience a physical life? Right. Mm -hmm. And so within that physical life, we have a brain and we have a mind. Right. And the brain is the hardware. The mind is the software is the electrical connections. Right. And the brain is the physical, like functional components. Right. And we have a physical body and we have a spirit. Right. So yeah. the question is, is a spirit the um, electrical field that keeps us alive that invigorates us in our body is that the spirit is it simply tied to emotional things um i don't really know i can't really answer that i don't know what the answer is specifically but i think some things that i can assume would be mm -hmm. spiritual in nature would be revelation for one if i'm receiving knowledge that wasn't initially available to me and it came to me as if it was a big package of information all at once that I understood immediately, then I would yeah. say that's probably spirituality because um, it it wasn't just emotional, right? It wasn't something that I could think of a memory and stir that emotion inside of me at any time. It was actually information that I didn't have available to me in that moment. And I had never learned before. And that information was given to me in that moment 
And that to me is like, okay, that's beyond the physical. Yeah. Yeah. And the other things, um, you, you know, like I would let you go ahead and say your thoughts as I've been saying this, right? Because I'm sure I got you thinking about this whole question because I think it is an important question for people that go to church that, that are part of religion, right? Is that there are groups of people that prescribe to other people what the spirit feels like and, and what it's supposed to feel like and how, you know, when you have it. And I would say, I would say that this feeling of congruence, I would call it peace, right? I would say that peace, it is an emotion. However, I would say that it is spiritual in nature because in order to have peace, you must be able to surrender to a divine source. And that's, that's what I would say. Um, I wouldn't say that love is always spiritual in nature, as in it comes from a divine source, mm-hmm. uh, because there's plenty of people that thought they were in love and then destroyed their lives. Mm-hmm. There, I would say, however, peace is. And I think peace is maybe the emotion of spirituality that is tied to a divine source. What are your thoughts, Justin? Yeah, so um, I guess like your perspective versus my perspective is like the Catholic Church does not, I guess, say that you have a second life. It's, you know, you go to heaven and, you know, that's kind of where it ends in terms of their their perspective. So it's very interesting that you were able to share that. And, um, you know, when you get that package that you're talking about of those ideas, I would, I would agree with you because that's something that, you know, from say through meditations in terms of getting the the answer that I'm looking for, um, to help progress, say in, you know, business, personal life, social life, whatever that may be, I've totally experienced that. And that's totally kind of given me that next jump, that rekindle of the fire to essentially help progress me to get me to where I want to be, which would be that end goal of whatever I may be working on at the time. Awesome. Awesome. And so I'm also interested about this. Yeah. Um, in the new Testament, Jesus Christ tells a parable about barns, right? This rich guy that builds some barns and Mm -hmm. he stores his riches in the barns. And then when his barns filled up, then he builds more barns and stores his riches in. And then Jesus calls him foolish. He says that that man is foolish for doing that. Essentially, I'll summarize it because I don't have the scripture right in front of me, but it's this idea of why is he spending so much time doing that when he could be collecting riches in heaven, things that are more valuable than, than just worldly possession, right? And uh, I, so as I'm listening to what you're saying, right, it's using mm-hmm. spirituality to accomplish things you want to accomplish, grow professionally, uh, become um, the best version of yourself here on earth. And I kind of say, why does that matter? Right. And that, that is an important question that a lot of people, I think in this audience would have, and there's people that limit themselves from having wealth because they don't think it matters to have it in this life. So how did that become like a spiritual aspect of your life for you? 
Yeah, um, I had this great mentor, Bob Proctor, for those of you who may or may not know of him. Um, and what he talks about in some of his trainings is, you know, he asks us, what are, what are we here to do? And he said, well, you and I are here to do God's work. And some may ask, you know, what's God's work? Well, creation is God's work because God is the creator. So if you and I were to be doing God's work, you and I would be here creating, you know, say what you and I want um, or, you know, what you and I say may be connected to through God um, that calls you to go out there and and do, you know, because it just feels right. Um, you know what I mean? Like that feeling that just kind of draws you in and as you're doing it, it's just like you feel aligned, you feel congruent the whole entire way um, while you're, say, you know, building your business or working out or, you know, doing stuff along those lines. And what ties into that of what Bob Proctor said was, you know, one of the verses that uh, really stuck out to me when I used to do the Bible studies with John Peterson, um, it's Colossians 3.23 for those that may or may not know it. It says, work heartily for the Lord and um, not for men. Um, and that's just one thing that's really stuck out to me. And, um, you know, if you can work full heartedly in what you're doing, say as, you know, a sacrifice or say out of love, peace, pure joy, um, that just makes it feel good. It gives me that self-satisfaction that, uh, you know, that I'm on the right path, if that would make sense. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And I would agree with you. I think that we have this life to enjoy it at the very base level. And yeah. if a belief like that is keeping someone from enjoying life, I think they've really missed the market, the mark, because this life is only possible because of God. And in my opinion, right? So other people listening to this might have a different opinion. For me, right. I think this life is possible because of God and that God wants us to have the best life we can possibly have. And at the same time, I think what Jesus is saying in that parable is to is, is more of a question of motivation, right? And mm. he's probably looking at this guy that's storing all his wealth. <laughs> he's like, well, imagine what you could be doing with it, right? right. As, as you have it. And there's some speculation around Mary Magdalene, by the way, that mm. she was likely Jesus Christ's benefactor. So she was funding his miss mission. So she mm. she is Mary of Magdala, basically is is what her name would translate to be. And that title was only available to landowners. So people that held possessions. And it's very likely that she was a very wealthy woman at the time that yeah. had quite a bit of money. And mm. she was funding the proselytizing of Jesus Christ and his mission. And when you look at the story in that context, right, perhaps Mary Magdalene was next to Jesus Christ while he was telling it, right? Mm. That he's, yeah. he's using her as an example of saying, you know, you don't store your riches in a barn, but use them to further the kingdom of God, right? Which goes to the other parable of the rich young man, right? Well, it's not even a parable. It's really just a story that happened. And mm -hmm. he comes up to Jesus Christ and he says, hey, I've kept all the commandments all my life. What more can I do? And Jesus says, uh, give all your riches to the poor and come follow me, right? Mm -hmm. And then he became ashamed and turned away. He couldn't do it, right? 
Now, the problem isn't that he was rich. And Jesus does say, you know, it's more difficult for a rich man to pass through the eye or than it is to enter the kingdom of heaven than it is for a camel to pass through the eye of the needle. Now, the yep. eye of the needle was a gate into Jerusalem. It wasn't on an actual needle, right? It was actually a gate. And what camels had to do, they had to remove all their luggage and they had to crawl in on their knees through that gate into Jerusalem in order to enter. And what he's saying is they're too attached to the riches. Right. Yeah, they're more attached to the riches than they are to God. And yeah. and he's telling him in that experience, and really, would he tell the people that are following him that just because he has bread and fish, you know, in those stories in the New Testament, would he tell those people to stop, like, pursuing wealth in their life? Because when whenever he didn't have bread or fish, they wouldn't follow him anymore, mm. right? So, like, if he had bread and fish, then they'd be there. So what was the motivation for them being there? Well, they were in a state of lack, right? They didn't have food. They weren't mm. there for spirituality anyway. So I would say on the flip side, that story says, definitely provide for yourself and learn to master wealth so you don't get confused by scarcity and survival. And that scarcity and survival becomes your God instead of God becoming your God. And then the other side is, when you have all this wealth, when you have everything you want, mm -hmm. don't become so attached to it more than your God, right? And this is basically Jesus Christ saying, what are you attached to other than God? If you're attached to anything other than God, then it doesn't really serve you, right? And now at the same time, I think he's very wise, and generous and loving, and he allows people to be attached to things at certain times in their lives just huh. to experience it, you know, because this life ultimately is an experience. Um, so as you are pursuing your career, wealth, family, relationships, it sounds like a lot of what you're wanting to do is improving the lives of others, right? And right. what, do, what do you see in your future? What are you going to be accomplishing and how are you going to involve God in what you accomplish? Yeah. So, um, you know, come the future, I would love to, I would love to share, you know, um, the things that I've been able to learn, the things that have been able to help me progress, you know, which may ultimately help others progress. And I think a lot of it comes through, you know, some of the teachings that the Christ may have done, um, especially when you're able to transition them into, say, real life, um, real world stuff and give uh, open minded questions that really allow the individual that's there learning from you to really consider. Because, you know, one of the best questions that I've ever been told is, you know, the answer you're looking for may just be in the things that you have never considered. Um, so that's what I would love to do is open up the minds of those that are there to learn and listen and really get them to consider, um, you know, having the perspective of open to all things, be open-minded to all ideas, um, simply be attached to none of them. Um, something along those lines that we talked about prior to jumping on the show. 
Um, I think that's the type of message, the type of framework, the type of uh, media that I would prefer to share and really get those to question. Because at the end of the day, you know, um, you know, you spend your time with yourself more than anyone else, say, in this world. So, you know, as long as you can, you know, learn how to ask yourself those types of questions, you can, I believe, progress towards that end goal of what you're wanting. Awesome. Awesome. And I have just some questions for you. Uh, in in your own understanding, and your own upbringing, what do you imagine heaven is like? Um, <clears throat> yeah, another good question. I believe it's you know, the way they, they talk about it, the way I was told about it is it's uh, essentially, you know, one of the greatest, beautifulest places, you know, you ever could imagine. Um, and simply with that being said, I, I think it would be cool to, to learn how can I experience that now, you know, say here on earth, how much pleasure can I endure, um, enjoy here on earth um, as I progress to towards that, that end state which would be heaven, I guess, if you want to call that. So there's there's no like specific image of your mind of what you would be doing in heaven, what would happen there. It's just kind of beyond imagination. Yeah, you know, more so probably in a spiritual um, realm, maybe as a spirit is how I would envision it. I know the Bible talks about um, the dimensions of heaven, for example, and how many cubic blocks or something they call it um i'm not exactly sure um they kind of paint that picture there i'm not sure if it's in revelations um of when they talk about it i just remember reading about it um it was just to me it kind of seemed like a an area that was built up to kind of keep everyone in maybe that is it maybe it's not i just you know kind of what i remember from it but mainly, yeah, I just imagine it as something um, unimaginably positive, hmm. for sure. And how does your concept of heaven shape <clears throat> your personal decisions every day? Yeah, so um, I would say with heaven being an unimaginable, positive, loving place, you know, that's what I would want to have here right now is an awesome, you know, positive, peaceful, um, abundant um, life. And I believe, you know, that kind of prepares I and you to enjoy that as we get to that place in time, as our lives progress and say we get to that end state. I like, I like that perspective. Yeah. I, and uh, the reason why I love it is because in the New Testament, Jesus Christ talks a lot about the kingdom of heaven. And why would he talk about the kingdom of heaven as if it was on earth, right? Why would he talk about it um, to these people in their situation if if heaven is just afterward? You know what I mean? And but he yeah. tells it, he tells all his parables in a way as if you could have it now, right? Is and that's a lot of what you're saying, right? And I right. particularly love the parable of the pearl of great price which mm. is essentially Jesus tells a story how a man comes across a field and in that field, there's a pearl that's of great price, extreme value, way worth way more than what the field is. Yeah. And um, 
he goes home and he sells everything that he owns just so he can buy the field. Yeah. Which means he gets the pearl. Right. Right. And it's this idea of when you truly understand how valuable that pearl of great price is, which is the kingdom of, of heaven, right? That's basically here on earth, that you would give up everything that you own just to have it. And mm -hmm. he told parables about this all the time, you know, about the kingdom of heaven and as if it was here on earth. And I truly do believe it's here on earth. Because we can exercise faith in Jesus Christ and in a divine source, and we can see outcomes that maybe would not have been possible otherwise. And it's this level of truth that I believe most people haven't really experienced in their life. And this level of trust, I would say as well that few people have really experienced in their life. And I think there's a lot that gets in the way of people really understanding that the kingdom of heaven is here and now. What, what in your mind, what led you to this belief that you can have heaven now? Yeah, so um, if you don't mind me pulling it up, I'll probably just uh, read it right out of the scriptures. I know I mentioned it to you prior to getting on the podcast. Um, you know, it's just, uh, John, uh, verse 14, um, or John 14, verse 12, you know, he says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do. Um, you know, and with that, with him saying that, you know, it kind of stands out to me that he is saying, Jesus is saying that you and I can do greater things than say, you know, what he is out there doing currently back in his time, you know, which, you know, those great things are, um, you know, something along, along the lines of healing the blind, you know, feeding thousands of people, etc. Um, you know, and if you tie that perspective into heaven is here on earth, um, you know, it kind of really, for me, it really ties it in together because, you know, how does one heal the blind and how does one he, or, you know, feed thousands of people, um, you know, and it comes from that perspective of abundance, which would mean that heaven is here on earth. Um, for example, um, rather than say having a scarcity mindset of where's the next meal going to come from, say back in the day, or, you know, how am I going to um, ever, you know, heal my eyesight when say there are no doctors. Um, I think it's just kind of a good little point that, uh, that gets shared. So um, that's just kind of my thoughts, my opinions on it. Um, you know, what are your thoughts, opinions on it? Yeah, I think that um, I like that you brought up some historical things, right? Like when people didn't have eye doctors, you know, it's like put yourself right. in that situation where there's no doctors for eyes, no glasses, yeah. right? And for me, I'd it'd be devastating. I'd be running into things <laughs> all the time, right? Yeah. And uh, we rely so heavily on technology these days, so heavily. 
on technology, right? It's like, if you have a question, Google it, right? Yeah. Back in the day, if you had a question, you pondered it, right? You held it in your heart. You talked to other people about it until you could figure it out and find it, right? Now we just say, hey, you know, hey, Siri, right? <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> and then from there, it makes it so you get an answer from AI, you know, and, and then you're not even talking to God, you're talking to artificial intelligence, right? That's mm -hmm. like an algorithm created by man. And I think um, what people would benefit from experiencing, right, is what what life would be like in New Testament time, like you said, and understanding how powerful it is what Jesus was doing because these people didn't really have the medical care that we have. They didn't really have the abundance of food that we have these days and right. the speed of information. And at the same time, since we have all of that, we should be experiencing even more abundance in all aspects of life, right? And mm -hmm. uh, I do think that some of the beliefs that get in the way of people really knowing heaven is here on earth is this idea. Yeah. Scarcity, I think is a belief there that there's not enough money, food, time, energy, space, or love for them. When in reality, there's more than they could ever contain or handle. Agreed. And um, another belief that I think keeps people from, really understanding that heaven is here on earth is they don't really understand their true identity of who mm -hmm. they actually are, right? I mean, let's just look at it in a scientific level. Mm -hmm. Where else do we know of in our known universe where there are living beings? Yeah. That are I'm... intelligent and conscious. If, if we're looking at a scientific level, we are gods. There is no one above us in the known mm -hmm. universe. We are literally the gods of the entire universe. If we look at it in a scientific level, right? Because mm -hmm. it's like, where else can you go in the entire universe and even on our planet and we're humans, right? And experience critical thought, right? You can't yeah. go anywhere right. else. <laughs> like we are the only species in the known universe that can do critical thinking. And that's just like a portion of some things we can do. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people just don't know who they are. For me, my belief is in my upbringing is that I'm born out of the intelligence of God and oh. that God created my spirit out of that intelligence and then taught me for an eternity of time as a spirit and then came here in, in the physical to experience the physical while still containing all the spiritual de genetic code and information that I had accumulated throughout an eternity. And when you look at it, that perspective, you're like, okay, not only in a scientific level, are you a God, but in a spiritual aspect, you're a God because you have the DNA, right? You are constructed right. of that. And uh, even in the New Testament, it talks about us being sons of Christ, right? right? Sons of God, right? Sons of Christ. And I wholly believe that. And I think that people lose sight of that connected 
connectedness that we have, that heritage that we have with God. And that makes it so heaven is not here for them. But when you understand you have that innate DNA that's spiritual, then you just go within and you find yourself and you find God there as well. And then you find out the kind of power that you have and that you can create heaven wherever you go because you're already a heavenly being. Which is an, an interesting perspective. And I, uh, I really agree with that. I really like that perspective because, you know, if you and I say are, are godly humanly beings, um, you know, like I texted you to get on this show, right? Like, was it the fact that, you know, Jesus said, go and be healed because, you know, God himself is giving you that belief internally that, um, you know, you now see yourself as healed or is it, you know, since God is there that he was able to heal you, um, and to me, what kind of sticks out is, you know, if God were to say to me, go and be healed, and I perceived it as I am healed, which I believe, you know, as you and I are God-like figures, um, I, I would be able to heal myself in terms of perceiving that I'm healed internally, if that would make sense to you, if I'm, you know, portraying that correctly to you i guess yeah there's a famous quote um i need to look up the name of the healer but he's he's a non he's not christian he's he's Mm -hmm. a spirit healer and he said that um if i can teach people to heal themselves then they will be healed and that that was his main principle was if people could understand that they are the source of their own healing then they'll be healed Now, at the same time, you look at the New Testament, right? And you see Jesus Christ going around healing people. Mm -hmm. However, Jesus Christ says, by your faith, you have been healed. Mm. Interesting, right? right? And it is the power of Jesus Christ is all around us all the time. I believe it is the life force of everything right? It's the reason why we are alive, is that power of Jesus Christ. And that's why we're alive in Christ, right? And that his light is all around us, and the light illuminates our knowledge, our intelligence, and everything. Now, at the same time, I do think that, like you said, healing happens because, because of you, because you choose to be healed. Right. You heal yourself, and it's by right. your own faith that you're healed. Mm-hmm. And Jesus Christ says that in the scriptures many times, right? And and he uses his power according to their faith. It doesn't yeah. mean that his power did the healing, but it's through their faith the power could exist within them to do the healing. And yeah, where I find that very interesting is if it all say starts in the mind, you know, where does it come to next? And what I see Jesus as is a master of language, a master of linguistics um, by the words he uses. 
could say if it starts in the mind and every word that you and I use dictates and alters the future of our reality. For example, um, his language was on point to help <clears throat> give them those, give those people that faith that, again, they are needing to allow themselves to go out there and heal. Absolutely. Yeah. He, he linguistically was very powerful. And in the podcast, I've spoken about hypnosis mm -hmm. and um, a lot of things that Jesus Christ were hypnotic. And I mean, just basically everything he did was hypnotic in nature. And you, you have to look at him. So there's a stigma around hypnosis, right? It's like, if, if I say hypnosis, people are like, oh, like stage hypnotists and like yeah. people quacking like ducks or whatever, no, we, right? You do it's that, like, right? Okay, so yeah, there is a thing called stage hypnotism, but that's hardly what hypnotism is. Hypnotism is really, the way I like to describe it, it is being extremely influential in how you give instructions. Yeah, mm -hmm. because the person, no one can actually just be hypnotized by someone against their will. That just right. will never happen. I mean, there's exactly. reasons why people rejected Jesus Christ. Because if he really wanted to, he could uh, control them even more through his power, but he didn't. And mm -hmm. um, he allowed people to reject him. And that's, that's an important thing to understand about hypnosis is that it isn't mind control, <laughs> right? It's like, it doesn't yeah. make people do things. It's right. just how good are you are at giving irresistible instructions? Like how irresistible are your instructions? In fact, uh, I hypnotize someone wants to um, pretend, well, in their mind, I wanted them to become straight mm -hmm. as a plank and basically their body was spread out between two chairs, their heels on one chair and their head on another chair. And they were totally flat and planked between them. Mm -hmm. And it, it was easy for them to do like really simple. <laughs> and you're, you're a wrestler. I mean, you do a lot of physical athletic things and that would be yeah. a challenge. Right. And, um, yeah, I, all I did was use hypnosis to get him into that state of mind to where he believed that he could do it. And that, he put his body into that altered state where it happened. And I used a metaphor about a tree. So mm -hmm. I had him imagine that his roots were going deep in the ground and, and at the bottom where his roots were going was wealth, mm -hmm. where he could get all the resources he ever wanted. And as he's pulling up that energy from the well of wealth, that his body became more strong and rigid like a tree. Mm. Right. And then from there, he was like really straight and planked. Right. <laughs> he was like yeah. really into it, you know, and that's hypnosis. Right. It's you, you give irresistible instructions. That's how you do hypnosis. Yeah. And I believe good positive suggestions are a must in today's world. You know, if you're going to talk about hypnosis, I think it's in, you know, almost everything, all the social medias, all TV, all radio. Um, and I think you and I's job is to understand it and um, know how to say protect yourself against it. Because I do believe, say, if we're talking about a spiritual reality, I believe it is a battle of good versus evil in a sense. You know, is it good suggestions? Is it not positive suggestions? Um, and if you do not know how to protect yourself against the not positive suggestions, you may fall into the trap of 
the not positive suggestions, for example. Um, you know, look at the billboards that you see on the side of the road. Like I see them as not positive suggestions because they say don't text and drive or don't drive drowsy, something along those lines. And if you think about it, don't is a negation word that some may or may not know. And um, that can alter the way you perceive it, which, you know, is why Milton Erickson, for example, was so good at it. Yeah, he was really good at hypnosis and um, really to understand, right? A hypnotist controls the focus of thought is what it is. Yeah. And and you can say something like, like last night I was, so we're putting in new flooring in my kid's room and there's a mm -hmm. portion of the flooring that if they step on it, it would crack and it would ruin the flooring. So I had to teach, I said, Hey, don't, don't step on this. Right. Yeah. Like, jump. And they just kept jumping back and forth, back and forth <laughs> over the line, like stressing me out. I'm like, oh my gosh, they're so, they're so focused on not stepping on it that now it's become a game to like jump over it over and over and over. And I'm like starting to stress out, you know, and I'm like, oh yeah. man, I should have given better instructions, right? <laughs> it's like, <Right. laughs> I should have been like, get in your bed, they're boats. You know, and like yeah. there, you live in this imaginary fairyland <laughs> in your bed, and they don't even think anything about the, the wood floor, right? It's just it's a right. matter of controlling focus, and I mean here in Utah, if you drive down the freeway, there's some big signs, and it says, uh, one is like, "Have you been in an accident?" question mark, and it's got this like picture of a car and a person flying out of a car. I'm like, okay, that should just be illegal to be on the road. Like people should not be yeah. focusing on that while they're driving, you know, like that is not okay. I, yeah, I totally agree. And for those of you that are say maybe driving, you guys all drive safe and healthy and get to where you want to go for sure. Yeah, for sure. absolutely. And um, I would say, I want to ask you this as well, Justin, yep. as you have been diving into spirituality and your connection with God, what evidences do you have for yourself? What are some experiences that you've had in your life that um, have shown you like, okay, God, God is real, God lives, or his spirit is real, or um, I'm definitely connected to a divine source? What is something that you could share with the audience? Yeah, so um, I would say it's just the people that have been brought into, into my life. Um, you know, say you, for example, you know, it's just building those great relationships because um, that's really what I believe it's about. And, um, you know, as I progress, I continuously meet new people that are, say, on the, the same exact mission. And it's all like, it all just falls into place, I would say, perfectly how things align, you know, as as some may say, the stars all align. Um, that's kind of how I feel as I continue to go and progress in my life, as I keep faith, as I keep um, growing and learning. Um, you know, that's probably the biggest thing. I uh, I love networking with people. I love people who are open-minded. And, um, you know, as I say, pray about it, as I search for it, um, as I knock, ask, and seek, for example, that's continuously what shows up in my life. And I'm extremely grateful for it because I know, you know, those relationships are going to continue to grow, continue to flourish. Awesome. And so this, 
uh, building your network, getting to know people that also believe in Christ, believe in God, believe that are spiritual. That's been one of the biggest evidences to you. Yeah. Yeah, most definitely. Just, uh, you know, learning about um, other, other uh, faiths, you know, such as the Mormon um, upbringing, LDS, for example, you know, again, having an open mind, not being attached to anything has really helped me progress. And it's really, you know, something that uh, has allowed me to create new relationships. Um, like when we were out at your event, I met some wonderful, wonderful people that, you know, I still stay in contact with that um, maybe even listening to this podcast as well. So, um, you know, it's just, it's just awesome. And it opens up doors like this to now be able to share what, what I see, what my perspective may be. Um, and what I believe is also going to open up many more doors to come in a good positive way, for sure. Absolutely. And, and I wanted to ask you this, getting back to uh, being Catholic, right? And you grew up with some incongruencies. What, what are you finding now? Um, how are you becoming more congruent with what you've learned and being in the Catholic Church? Um, yeah, so I would say it's just, uh, it's just taking the system saying processes that the catholic church has in place with kind of a grain of salt um not getting too caught up into it because you know why am i there i'm there to be connected with this source that's why i'm there i'm there to um you know be connected to the source and receive the messages that are going to help me you know say influence more people because that's what i find very fascinating and very interesting to do so it's uh you know being able to just, um, you know, stay open-minded there and, uh, you know, try new things out, maybe go to new areas and new churches as well to seek the message that is there for me. Interesting. So do you, do you feel uh, still really rooted in the Catholic church as in that is like the default place where you want to go to church? You mentioned that you would go try in other de denominations and see what they teach and everything. What is your uh, what is your connection to the Catholic church now? Like there's just to give an example, right? People almost identify as a religion, right? It's like they use it in an I am statement, right? Yep. Do you use I am Catholic as a statement or do you, are you kind of fluid in how you go about religion? What is, how do you approach it? Yeah, great question. So I mean, sure, I can say I'm Catholic because that's where I was baptized. Um, again, I just take it with a grain of salt. You know, I'm there to connect to the source, connect to God, you know, learn through the prophet Jesus Christ. And um, with that being said, you know, I'm very open to all. Um, I would not say I'm tied to Catholic religion you know, it's, it was just one of those things where I personally took a break and I found that I'm still connected to the source by, by being elsewhere, um, by taking time to my, for myself to really explore, to really experience. Um, so yeah, I'm, I would say I'm open. Um, I'm not tied to any sort of thing. I'm here to learn and, um, figure out what's going to work, say best for me personally. Awesome. And what are, what are some things specifically that you take with a grain of salt? Um, yeah, so I guess it would just be, 
you know, as you come into the Catholic church, um, you know, what I was anchored to is really, they pound in is like being a sinner. And that to me is not positive. And that to me gives me a not positive feeling. And, um, you know, I allowed it to anchor into me internally, which gave me an incongruency while being there to where it's just like, okay, you know, now with the trainings that I've been able to take, you know, it's more so like, what can I learn from this? And when did I decide this? And what do I prefer to have instead? Um, those are just some of the small little things that I would say I'd take with a grain of salt um, while being in the church, you know, is not allowing that not positive feeling to anchor in to me internally to affect my relationship with say God at the time. Interesting. So it's more of this uh, idea of identifying as a sinner, right? And yeah. and to take yeah. that with a grain of salt. Yeah. And yeah, how has that helped you out to release that? Yeah, because um, it I would say it's it gives me just a not positive you know connotation being a sinner, right? I understand um, it may be taught in more than just say the Catholic Church, um, but it's just ever since I brought up, it just gave it a negative, a not positive connotation around being say a sinner, um, to where you know taking myself out of the box, out of that perspective and finding a new perspective around it that aligns me, that makes me feel congruent is how, you know, I say I was able to kind of re reframe myself in a sense. Interesting. And, and so what, how do you live your life now when it comes to behavior, right? Because sin, sin is all about like regulating your behavior, right? So that you I mean, it's this idea that you're worthy to enter the kingdom of God or you know, like you, you can live in heaven, right? How do you think about behavior now? Yeah. So, um, for behavior, you know, if you're going to model against someone, if Jesus Christ say was perfect, you know, he would be a great role model to, uh, essentially represent yourself and, um, really asking yourself, you know, every decision you make, you know, am I congruent with it? Is it positive? Is it not positive? Um, I personally try to make more positive decisions and I, I prefer to make all my decisions positive that are aligned, that are congruent. Um, cause I think it was you that said, you know, um, if it's the wrong decision, you'll find out really fast, you know? And, um, I, I truly believe that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, um, for me, similar, right. I, I think, uh, growing up in an LDS upbringing, Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints upbringing, is there is a big focus on being worthy and not sinning, right? There's yeah. that not, 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 right? That don't yeah. sin, right? <laughs> it just kind yeah, of yeah, puts yeah. your focus in the wrong place. And it does say in the Bible, are we not all sinners, right? And that is Paul. At the same time, I look at that and it's kind of like, why does it matter then? Like who, who cares, right? It's the point isn't sin. The point is relying on Jesus Christ and to let him help you have the best life possible. And I think we think of commandments as like uh, rules, you know, like, like in a school, right? It's like if you're late to class, you get detention, right? Kind of yeah. rules, you know, it's like. Those right. kind of things. If you're fighting in class, you get expelled, 
right? And then you get expelled out of heaven, right? If you don't keep commandments. Well, I don't think that's true at all. I think really what commandments are, are guidelines. And they say, this is how you, these are some obvious guidelines of how you could have a happy life, right? And in, in my own opinion, I think there are only three commandments. And it's love God with all your heart, might, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So there's three, not two. Yeah. Mm, love yeah. God, love your neighbor, and love yourself. Those are three commandments. When you do those three, you'll behave great, right? Like there's there's not going to be any behavioral issues that you have in your life when you truly love God, you love your neighbor, and you love yourself because that love that you create right inside of you, that is what creates your actions. That's what creates your behaviors. And the best way to love God is to get to know him. And the best way to get to know God is to get to know yourself, right? And as you get to know yourself, you love yourself, then you can't help but love your neighbor. In fact, right. you can really only love your neighbor and God as much as you love yourself. And the reality is you don't love God if you don't love yourself because you are God's creation. And if you like don't love God's creation, you don't love God. And these are, instead of thinking of it as sin, right? Mm -hmm. As my behaviors are not good or, or my behaviors are bad or they're good or not good or whatever, or not bad, right? My behaviors weren't that bad. <laughs> yeah, like it's, it's more of a question of, do I truly love myself? Do I truly love God? Do I mm -hmm. truly love my neighbor? Because as I live those commandments, then I will be having the most fulfilling, joy-filled life that I could ever have. And if I'm living that way now, imagine how I'll live after I die. And I think that that is the key point for people that really get caught up on sin and having done things wrong, which by the way, I don't think people are neither good nor bad. I just think they are. Just whoever they are is who they are. Now, behaviors, yeah. I do believe that behaviors can be labeled good or bad. I totally agree with that. But people are not their behaviors. Right. And you need to be able to look at people with love, right? And I think that here's another interesting concept about loving your neighbor. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I know people that are pretty harsh on people around them. And the only reason they're harsh with those people is because they're harsh with themselves. And you can't love your neighbor until you love yourself first. And it's just, if you notice that you're really strict, let's say you have kids, you're really strict on your kids, or you're really strict on your coworkers, it's because you're really strict on yourself. And you're not letting yourself live the way that you want to live. Because the reality is that people are an experience. You're meant to experience other people. You're not meant to control them. Right. They're, they're brought into your life for you to experience right now. If they're, you know, all of you are safe and healthy, but if someone's causing harm, right? Like make sure you don't, you, you find a different experience, right? <laughs> like that's it's a smart feedback, idea. Right? It's just feedback. Yeah. And, yeah. um, so I think of sin that way. It's really sin is this concept and idea of what is separating us from living like God now? Mm. 
And that's, that's everything that falls in that category I would consider sin. So I actually have a broader definition of sin than probably most denominations. I would say eating chips until you gain a, a few pounds would be sin because it's not really giving you the healthiest body that you could possibly have, which would give you the greatest joy, mm. right? Now, the thing is sin has all this, it's anchored to all this negativity, right? But the reality is anything that separates you from the joy of God is sin. And what Jesus Christ offers is to learn to live joyfully with him. And so, yeah, I like your thoughts, how you've moved away from this I am a sinner mentality, right? Because I, I think that everyone in Christianity needs to move away from that. That's going to be a huge impact. Right. And I believe it'll give them a lot more congruency, you know, a lot more positivity as they move forward. Because um, it's ever since I've been a little kid, it's, it gave me that not positive anchoring feeling, um, just pounded over and over and over and over. Um, so it's just you know, through the trainings again, that I've been able to <clears throat> experience and invest into, which allow me to, you know, really change that perspective and help me in certain types of ways there, for sure. Absolutely. And um, I wanted to ask, so do you do you read the Bible regularly? How often do you use scripture? Yeah. And, um, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I would say, you know, throughout my college journey, it was daily. Um, as of, you know, more so recently, it's mostly on Sundays. Um, it's not every single day as it should be. I have to get back into it more and more again. It was just kind of, um, you know, myself going off on my own journey and kind of seeing how it goes and, um, going, going about it that way. I, I used to read it all the time. I do not read it all the time anymore, um, which I should, which I should um, totally agree there. So, yeah, I, I want to dive into that a little bit. You said you have to, or you should. Yeah. Yeah. Why do you have to? Um, yeah, I, I think it's just to refresh and revamp on the learnings that Jesus was able to provide and how he was able to you know, use his language to influence those that are around him, um, especially as I progress in, say, the marketing world or in, say, of, you know, trying to be a leader to somebody someday, you know, I want to be able to influence them positively. So who who else better to learn from than, say, a guy who, you know, not only passed away 2,000 years ago, but is still here today influencing a mass majority of, of people. Interesting. And so you said you should, you mentioned this word, you should read them. Yeah. What, what was the feeling behind that when you said I should be reading them more? Um, you know, the feeling is, um, just to be, I'd say more, more congruent, um, more aligned. Um, especially with what I'm trying to create, if that answers your question. Yeah, totally. I think that um, there's <laughs> there's sometimes this guilt around 
not reading <laughs> scriptures or not praying, you know what I mean? For and sure. um I think it I think like scriptures, you know, we have conversation. I tell you all these parables and these stories and everything because I'm well versed. I know the scriptures really well. I like them. Yeah. Um but they're not <clears throat> I don't know. I don't think they're meant to be something that you feel guilty about if you don't read them. You know what I mean? I think they are a resource, a treasure that someone uses when they want knowledge, you know, that that might be able to help them discover something they didn't know about themselves or discover something they didn't know about God and how to align their thoughts, like you said, have alignment to God and and build that trust. Uh, there's a lot of people I've noticed that feel guilty when they don't read scriptures or they don't pray. Right. And it's like, well, yeah. why, you know, it's, it's nothing to feel guilty about. I think it's just a, uh, just a state of learning. Some people don't read. Right. And if they come back to read scriptures, cause they felt guilty about it, there's nothing wrong with that either. You know, it's like you can use whatever motivation you want. I would just say that the best motivation is when you say, I really just want to find some answers and really unlock some stuff for me, you know, and like get in, get in that mindset of like personal growth and personal development. You know, it's like, yeah, I'm diving into this because there, there are unlocked secrets for me in here that are going to give me more joy and happiness, you know? And it's like, it's, it's there whenever I want it. For me, I've focused a lot on having scripture be in my heart mm-hmm. and prayer being in my heart. Because to me, it's it's not only just a thing you read, it's also a state of mind. And as you go around, right, it's you can look at situations and you can remember scriptures uh, for that circumstance or that situation. Like one that I have in my heart a lot is fear not and know that I am God. Right. Mm -hmm. So like as circumstances come up that are like, okay, this is a challenge to me, who I am, right? What I understand the world is and the circumstances that I'm in. And then that scripture comes to mind. Fear not, know that I'm God. Then I go, okay, I can trust. Right. I can trust. Yeah. And this is, I think, a powerful shift to have in spirituality is to understand that you don't have to do it. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. Which is like really goes in the face of everything that people learn in religion. Right. Yeah. You don't have to read scriptures. You don't have to go to church. You don't have to pray. You don't have to fast. You don't have to commune. You don't have to get to know other people. Right. And like you said earlier on, you said you felt forced to go to church. Right. Mm -hmm. And these are forceful words, things like I have to read again and I should. Yeah. Right. And so these are things that it's like you could reframe how you view it all and then you're no longer feeling forced to do anything. And people ask me, you know, what's my relation to the LDS church? I say, I go to it, I commune, I get to know people, I participate fully, but I'm not controlled by it. Mm. And like, there's some things that happen where it's like, you know, the leader will say this and I disagree. Mm-hmm. And I say, that's not right for me. Like for me individually, that's not right for me. And, and I'm totally fine with other people saying that's right for me, what they say, Mm -hmm. but ultimately it's your life and it's your spiritual connection with God. It's not owned by a church. And to me, spirituality is Mm non-denominational. It doesn't have a label to it. 
or else that would ruin what spirituality is, which is that which has no labels, right? It's, it's supposed to be labelless because it's totally unattached. Yeah. And spirituality isn't actually a thing. We say it like it's a noun, right? But can you really hold spirituality in your hands? Do you have it in your pocket? Can you show me it? No. <laughs> no. It's something you do, right? So as you get into spirituality, right, as you analyze how you fit into a religion, I think this conversation we had today is a really good one to think about is, is um, just because you're in a church doesn't mean you have to do everything they say, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it doesn't mean you have to do everything to fit in. Um, you're already in the highest and best club that exists, which is the club of God. And you can just determine how you want to enjoy your time in that club. Yeah. What you want to create, right? Exactly. Exactly. Do you have some words for the audience, some piece of advice on creating results in their lives using spirituality and um, some things to keep in mind as they do it? Yeah, I guess some things that have helped me is, um, you know, really going with that, say, gut feeling, that intuition that speaks to you, that um, that faith that you have. Um, some may call it God's voice as well. Um, really go with that that feeling, that um, that sound. And I believe that's going to lead you to where you want to go for sure. Awesome. Thank you, Justin. Really appreciated you appreciate you have being on this podcast and talking today. Um, for those of you that are listening, we now have, this is now going to be uploaded on YouTube. You can watch these podcasts and these interviews. Uh, for the rest of the year, we will be producing this in video format. So Spirit Restored is now officially in video. And please go to the YouTube channel. The link is in the description to this episode and subscribe so that you can watch these in person. And uh, thank you so much, Justin, for being on. And thank you. Yeah, go ahead, Justin, what are you saying? I was gonna say thank you. If any of you guys want to say connect on Instagram, um, my Instagram handle is justin.copit. I'm open to all questions. Would love to chat with any of you who found this helpful. Yes, and I will put that in the description of the episode as well. Is there anything else they could do to follow you or get to know you? Just follow you on Instagram or what else? Yeah, Facebook. Um, I'm friends with Kenny. Um, YouTube, we're still working on it. And uh, hopefully we'll have a podcast soon coming out. Awesome. I'll keep everybody in the loop on that when Justin releases that. You'll, you'll share it with me and then I'll share it on my own social media pages. Yeah, Thank I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you, everyone, and we will talk next week. Ken loves to get feedback from his audience. Send him a private message or write a review so that he can discuss topics that are most relevant to your spiritual experience. Thank you for listening today and remember to join next week.